the gloves off. Liam O'Brien dropping the mitts, attacking Sam Lafferty. Look out, Itchy! He's Irish! And now we got a fight behind the play. Zadorov and Liam O'Brien. Now Zadorov using his long reach, lands a couple of the back of the head of O'Brien. O'Brien struggling. It's true. I took many a love. That was all in good fun. 702 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Quick update. A mistake was made. I know it's hard to believe. A mistake was made by me, no less, in the previous segment. Uh, the Canucks won the opening round in 92 against the Jets and then lost to the Oilers in the second round in 92. I and said that they beat the Oilers in 92. How yeah. could you do this? Do you know anything about the Canucks? No. Mike? I don't believe in no. anything And the Oilers went on to get swept by Chicago, who lost to Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup final. There you go. Yeah. We are nothing, if not thorough, in researching after we should have. <laughs> and going back and correcting our That's mistakes. Right. Why not look it up beforehand? I actually had it in front of me. I just read it wrong. Oh, well. 7 o'clock hour, AJ is going to join us in just a second here. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. As mentioned, we are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. Get some at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery and see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. To the phone lines we go. It's AJ's from AJ's Pizza here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, AJ? What's going on? The, sh- the show's on fire this morning. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Even though we made a mistake, it's, it's actually part of our fabric is to make mistakes. You know, that's okay. I make mistakes every single, well, every single moment of my life, so it's all right. You know who made a bunch of mistakes, AJ? Uh, last weekend was the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, you know what? It's over. I'm done. I, 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 that, that's it. I, I, you know, whatever. That's who they are. It's perfect. It's fitting. I think they do it to me on purpose. <laughs> I think that's a true, that they, they just like, let's just make AJ's, or actually my wife's life miserable on a regular basis and let's just make sure we lose we were texting about this last night and aj was like i'm moving on to the new york rangers season i've now changed allegiances it's that time of the year where the cowboys flame out of the playoffs and now we go to the new york well too 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 bad you're gonna have to talk about this are you happy that mike mccarthy is back or mad no and i think i think you and i going to be both be mad when you get dan quinn so then we can do our misery (laughs) together bro (laughs) we're holding out for mike vrabel we can that, do, and, and I think you should get him right. Exactly. He would mm-hmm. be great. Um, hey, I do have an ask, ask us anything for you guys, though. Okay. So do you truly believe the oh. Canucks are going to make a cup run? And if so, should they push all the chips in? Not all the chips. A lot of chips. Some <laughs> chips. <laughs> Some chips. Some chips. Not the chips um, that look like Lecker or Mackey or Tom Willander. <laughs> so we just had this conversation with Justin Bourne where we were talking. Like He asked us, do you think the Canucks are the best team in the West? And look, there's a lot of competition for it. The teams that we mentioned were Vegas and Edmonton competing for that title. We didn't mention, you know, the Colorado Avalanche or, you know, the Winnipeg Jets who are right. third and fourth in the NHL. Mm. There's a lot of high-end teams. That being said, this is the most optimistic we've been about a Canucks team since 2011, right? Yeah. Like that's And that's not even right. close. And yeah. I think in the cap era, right? Don't you sometimes have to? I mean, they look great. I have to say, I yeah, mean, they they do. I mean, they look great. And sometimes you gotta you gotta make hay. You know, you gotta make money when the hay's shiny. Yeah. Or what, what is it, right? Whatever that term is. 
And sometimes, you know, you also have to look at next season and go, is it possible, now people are going to yell here, that you might take a bit of a step back, that you might not have the quality of the team because you have so many pending UFAs that are playing really well right now. You know, you're getting a lot from Dakota Joshua and Sam Lafferty. Sam Lafferty was a story last night. Like, he was he was terrific last night. Um, Teddy Bluger. Um, you got a bunch of UFA defensemen on the back end. Uh, Ian Cole, uh, Nikita Zadorov, Tyler Myers. Like, you may not be able to keep all those guys, and you don't necessarily have the players down in the minors that can fill in those roles. So... You know, unless you go out and do another unbelievable pro scouting job and find a bunch of other bargain guys who come in and over and overachieve, which is, you know, tough to do two seasons in a row or on a continual basis, like right. this might be the year. And then there's the whole Pedersen question. Like, is he gonna sign? Right? That is an unknown. Um, you know, I'm still pretty confident he's gonna sign, but it's an unknown until he tells you so right and if he doesn't right and if he doesn't then this is the year totally totally right? absolutely we could, we could do it we could do a 1994 rematch but you guys win <laughs> and i think you guys, you guys win can you imagine oh my god my 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 father-in-law would disown me if i say that the rangers win so that'll be it <laughs> <laughs> okay uh aj so this weekend we've got a ton of football to watch we've got now here's a a kicker for everyone listening right now. Because the Canucks and Leafs game starts at 4, it's actually smack in the middle of happy hour at AJ's Pizza on East It Broadway. is. What's going on this it weekend? Is. It's gonna, it, you know what? It's going to be a great weekend. I mean, come on. It's, it's the, the mecca of sport. we got amazing football games. Thankfully, my Cowboys aren't in it, so I don't have to torture <laughs> myself. And then, obviously, that Leafs game, it's Canuck game at 4 is going to be amazing. It'll be on. It'll be a great weekend. Uh, AJ, enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy all the customers that will no doubt be coming by, and we'll do this again next Friday. You guys, too. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's uh, AJ's Pizza on East Broadway. Come get a slice of Brooklyn in Vancouver. AJ's uh, dine-in or, or order online at AJ's.pizza. And a friendly reminder, we'll be giving away a $100 gift card today to the best Ask Us Anything submission. The $100 gift card is, of course, to AJ's. Hashtag it AUA. Put a pizza emoji into your text, and you will be entered into the grand prize contest for 100 bucks to spend at AJ's Pizzeria on East Broadway. Try the Ronnie Detroit. Tell them A-Dog sent you. Stop calling it that. Nope. Stop calling it that. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is time now for our Locks of the Week, BCLC, playnow.com. The Lock of the Week is presented by Playnow Sports. If you're betting on NFL games this weekend, you receive a $10 free bet when you make a same-game parlay wager of $25 or more on NFL playoff games at Playnow Sports. Visit playnow.com forward slash NFL SGP to learn more. Conditions do apply. You must be 19 plus to play. And if you gamble, use your game sense. So I know everyone's just waiting to see what you do about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'll just make mine real quick. I'm going to take the Bills minus three at home, and that is key, over the Kansas City Chiefs. There's two reasons here because I know there are reasons to bet on the Chiefs. I know Patrick Mahomes is a proven winner. I know the Chiefs are proven winners. And I know that the Bills have some issues on defense in terms of injuries, but I think there's two major factors here. Number one is going to be the crowd in Buffalo, which is going to be one of the craziest crowds you will ever see at an NFL playoff game. But perhaps the biggest reason of all, Josh Allen. 
I just think this guy is playing unbelievable football. He can still go out and make a, maybe make a mistake or two, but the way he's playing right now, both with his arm and his legs, he is the guy. He is the guy that is going to uh, take Buffalo to the next level. And I think even though Baltimore is going to be tough, I think Josh Allen is having the type of season and he's in the type of form right now that could get them to the Super Bowl. So give me Buffalo minus three over the Kansas City Chiefs. That's my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Well, I'm committed to the bit now. I'm 100% all in. It's not even really a bit, to be honest. If you thought that my lock was going to be anything other than Detroit minus six and a half, (laughs) folks, you weren't paying attention. Uh, Look, This isn't even really necessarily about how bad Tampa Bay is as a football team. Lions won their first playoff game in 32 years uh, last weekend. It was at home. They get to host another playoff game at home this weekend. It's against a Tampa Bay team, and I'm going to fall back on this. I did this last week, and it sucked, and it didn't work, so I'm willing to go there again. I'm just looking at recent past history here. Week six this year, the Lions played the Bucs in Tampa Bay. They limited the Bucs to six points. Jared Goff had a great game, but here's the important thing. Baker Mayfield was stifled by this defense. 206 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. That's enough for me. Tampa Bay's not good. Detroit is. Detroit, minus six and a half. That's my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Uh, Lock of the week is presented by Play Now Sports. If you're betting on NFL games this weekend, receive a $10 free bet when you make a same-game parlay wager of $25 or more. Conditions do apply. You must be 19-plus to play. And a reminder, if you gamble, use your game sense. Okay, let's do some more Ask Us Anythings here. Um, West End Mike just sent this one in. Ask Us Anything. Do we see Juleson's return to the lineup on Saturday? Who are you taking out of the lineup, and why is it Tyler Myers? Yeah, I, I, Juleson, I know that Rick Tockett really likes Juleson, and I think the coaching staff in general is really pleased with the job that not only Juleson has done, but they've done with Noah Juleson because he's progressed and he's played with Ian Cole a lot. Um, but it's funny, if Juleson comes back into the lineup, Ian Cole might be the one to come out he did before he took like a maintenance day off. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that was on a back to back. So I don't know when we're going to see Noah Juleson again. Someone texted me. Did I miss something? Are people clamoring to get Juleson back in? No, I think Talkett was asked about Juleson and he said something along the lines of like, he should be in the lineup, but it's just, you know, all the other six guys are playing well too. Right. Because hmm. um, to me right now, he's the perfect seventh defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can... His game is simple enough, and he knows exactly what he needs to do that he can sit out for a while. And if there's an injury or if there's an ineffective stretch of play, you can bump him in there, and you're comfortable with him playing yeah. third pair minutes. But I still think talk is like, I like lefty-righty. I like lefty-righty. Yeah, I get it, right? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, when we talk about the sustained level of winning that the Canucks have done, a lot of that is predicated on a blue line that has worked despite not being maybe uh, perfectly constructed in terms of lefty-righty balance, in terms of it maybe being too top-heavy. But who cares because it's worked. And actually, I use that same uh, line of thought and rationale when we're talking about Kuzmenko sometimes because despite the fact that last year, I mean, last year's co-leading goal scorer, 39 goals, mm-hmm. has been a complete non-factor, 
the Canucks are the first team in the NHL to 30 wins. Like it has not affected them in the win column, and that's the only stat that matters. But yeah, but you don't just say like, "Well, keep playing them because they're winning." Absolutely, you don't keep playing them. Yeah. But it's, I think it's very telling both for the club and unfortunately for Kuzmenko mm-hmm. that he can be a non-factor and they're still really good. Like it's not a good sign for him, right? Right? Like if this thing doesn't get resolved with a trade or them dumping the money somewhere. You know, you could face a reality where he just gets phased out of the lineup. And come playoff time, he's on the outside looking in. Are you talking about Kuzmenko yeah. or Juleson now? Kuzmenko. <laughs> okay. Kuzmenko. Right. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. If you can't move off his money and you can't make it work within the confines of the regular season or by the trade deadline, you know, option B is, yeah, we have a guy who's a healthy scratch who's making 5.5 million uh leaf with an ask us anything because could kuzmenko be that extended ot specialist like peter klima in the playoffs for those of you that don't know uh way back uh the bruins played the oilers in the playoffs i think it was 1990 i want to say and peter klima sat on the bench and then in like the fourth overtime they're like, all right, you can have a shift. And triple OT winner, scored. game one, 1990 Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Peter Klima. It was triple overtime, not quadruple overtime. Yeah. Funny story about that. I had a baseball game, <laughs> and I, so in 1990, I would have been like grade eight or something like that. I had a baseball game, and I didn't want to leave the hockey game to go play my baseball game, and I was kind of upset about that. And obviously, this is day before self day, you know, you didn't know what was going on in the hockey yeah. game, right? So I left, I played my baseball game, and then I came back and turned on the TV, and the game was still on. Triple overtime. (laughs) Could you imagine sitting there for that long and not getting a twirl? Yeah. You'd just be, I don't know, I mean, it's... Your legs are just like... Right. It would never never (laughs) happen again. No one would ever be like, I got a guy. Yeah. So the answer is no. Yeah. The answer is no, because... The human grocery stick just sitting there at the end of the bench. They often... Back in the day, they they would often really shorten the bench. Yeah. Right? They didn't roll four lines. It wasn't as important to have four lines all clicking like it is in today's NHL. So you don't have a guy that just kind of sits there and... You take him off the bench, you know. No, the answer is no. Austin and Langley ask us anything. Would you guys be okay if the Canucks traded Vlander, Wielander, Willander, or Lekaramaki? If it was for younger guys in the NHL with term left that were good, example, the Islanders probably aren't moving him, but if the ask for Dobson was like Willander in a pick, would you do it? I'd consider it, yeah, but it has to be like a big-time player. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I would be very, very, like I'm not. Someone suggested, you know, Tanev and, and Lindholm for the, uh, uh, you know, Willander or, or Leckermack. Yeah, I, I, no way. I, I, it would know, have to be Dobson. Yeah, Dobson would be worth it because okay. he's well, young and well, good. Well, first of all, they're not trading Dobson. I know, probably, well, this but this is a hypothetical. This, yeah. I know. So I'm just saying, if they yeah, did, Friday. that's one of the few yeah. occasions where you it's, would do it. It's not for a rental that. You know, may not even resign, or if he does resign, you're like, oh, he's a little bit older. Um, can I know. be? Can I be dead honest with you here, though? Um, having looked at be dead honest, dead honest, me. and I hate doing this because I don't want to dampen the enthusiasm around the trade deadline, but I would not be surprised if nothing really huge materializes. I think the Canucks are going to do something. I think they'll do something, but I think it might end up being a lot more underwhelming than we think. Have you taken a look at the oh, guys? Like, that is are, a top six forward underwhelming? Uh, depends on the guy. Like if it's Frank Vitrano. Yeah, like that to me is like, that's great. But that's but. significant. That's significant to me. If you're filling in a top six spot, 
That's significant to me. But if Frank, Vit- all due respect to Frank Vitrano, right? Like he's a good player. He's a good player. But that's more of a move that a lot of teams would make, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's no put it this way. There's but it's no still significant. There's no crown because ju- first of all, how have they done it? I mean, I'm talking about um, multiple ads. You know, I don't maybe like a Dubis esque where he where he finally decided to go on those last couple of years in Toronto. He just kept making deal after deal, and it was like let's bring in O'Reilly and the year prior. Let's bring in Felino. I think they're going to bring in some extra depth on defense. Yeah, like I could like a see a guy that can just park in the press box if they need to. Like, who's the big prize at this year's deadline? Gensel, if he gets moved, mm-hmm. and then you start looking down the list. Are you one of the guys from Calgary going to shake loose? Probably, May- yeah. maybe. Are you going to be able to make that deal? You already made one with um, Craig Conroy to get Nikita Zadorov, so maybe there's another one there. And the big one is: is are they going to have the space to bring anybody aboard? Because mm-hmm. they're pressed right up against the cap. I want. The sort of big old school. Let's load up at the deadline. Like that's what I would love to see. I'm just wondering if it's reality given the financial landscape. If the Canucks had to move Nikita Zadorov to bring in Chris Tanev, see, I think that would be a really interesting. But I think a lot of people would be board. like, a lot of people are like, I like, I like the Tanev part of it. He's a right shot. We know he's pretty dependable, but he is getting a little bit older. Um, and I think a lot of people liked what they saw from Zadorov last night. And, yeah. and we're like, man, you want a guy like that in the playoffs, right? Like that yep. big, tough defenseman who, no, you don't necessarily want him fighting in the playoffs because then you've lost him for a significant portion of the game. But that big, heavy defenseman, I know Tockett loves him. Like Tockett loves having yeah. Zadorov on the team. I, I know. And you need that, you need that, or it seems to be that you need that big, tough, heavy defense in the playoffs if you want to go far and you just it's a it's a war right again we have to remember what the playoffs are like it is those series go, are long and they develop in certain ways there are injuries there are uh controversial hits like stuff happens that you do not expect to happen and it really helps if you can have those big, tough guys who are doing the punishing as opposed to the players that are taking the punishment. To be perfectly honest with you, now that we're talking about it, I wouldn't mind if they added some heft up front. Well, uh, I wanted to throw another wrinkle into the conversation when we were having it yesterday about this like mythical, chimerical trade you've come up with, which I do like conceptually. Um, you got to remember another thing to consider in all of this is that this management group, Alvin and Rutherford have had no problem moving on from guys that they themselves acquired. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they've taken a look at it and they're like, okay, time to go. Right. That was Curtis Lazar. Uh, I know they didn't acquire Jason Dickinson, but they, they got rid of that. Jack Stanika. Yeah. And go down, um, uh, Stillman, right. There was mm-hmm. another one they identified. They brought him in. They got rid of him. Anthony Beauvillier. I think he was a necessary evil, for lack of a better phrase, for the Bo Horvat trade to happen, but he was not long for this management group, and they knew it, and they act, they acted quickly. So I do think there's something there when I talk about like all the constantly moving chess pieces and everything, where you could see something like another significant shakeup on the blue line. A few people texting in Joel erickson and Joel erickson would be an amazing addition for the Vancouver Canucks, but know how expensive he would be. He'd be the type of player that the Wild would be like, we're getting Lekaramaki or uh, Willander for. Like, there's, we're not doing it otherwise. By the like, way, there's, there was, there's, you know, you know, you know, there's no one tradable in Vancouver or that you're going to trade in Vancouver that the Wild would accept 
besides those guys, right? Like Eric Sanak is a really good player on a really bad team right now. But the key with him is he's also got like cost certainty and a very good contract for the next few years. He would be great to add to the Canucks. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. That would really help them if they wanted to keep the lotto line together. And then they could put together uh, a pretty good checking line. You could have uh, Eric Erickson Eck with Mikheyev, who needs to play a bit better, by the way. A lot of people have pointed that out, and I mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, you know, like that, that would be the perfect ad. But I. I I don't know if he's going to shake loose from Minnesota, but I do know that the Wild are a complete disaster right now mm-hmm. because Jared Spurgeon has now been shut down for the season. Yeah. And he plays big minutes for them. Not quite like Quinn Hughes for the Canucks. Like he isn't quite that important for the Wild, but he's their captain and the Wild are done. They got pumped last night by Tampa Bay. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is going to undergo hip surgery on February 6th. And then four weeks later, he's got to go back in for back surgery. So he's done until hopefully training camp next year. But the Wild are done, done. Like, they should wave a white flag on this season. It's funny because I was looking at Russo's timeline yesterday, and he was saying, like, once they put Spurgeon on LTAR, they can go out and try and add a defenseman. And my question was, like, why? Like, what? Just accept your fate this season. Don't try and get a rental to salvage this wreckage. Like, they're not a good team. And they'll be an interesting one to see what pieces they sell off, and if any bigger pieces might shake loose. They owe it to Flurry. Do it for Flurry. Yeah, it's kind of a... Well, there's talk that he could get moved, right? Because they were saying, like, if you're looking at a... a if you want to add some goalie depth and you want to bring in a guy that everybody likes and can be a mentor, maybe, uh, he's your guy. The problem is is that one, if something goes bad for your starter, he's too beloved. Like, everyone's going to be cheering for, and rooting for the backup to get in. Do you want to know right? what the buzz is in the goalie world? What's the buzz in the goalie world? Flurry goes back to Pittsburgh to back up Jari for a uh, reunion tour and a, a farewell tour for Mr. Flurry. I like that one. Next season. No, next season. Yeah. Next season. Well, he could go anywhere this season if he gets traded, like you're saying. Okay, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us next. BC Lions play-by-play man, embedded Canucks reporter. Uh, we'll talk to Moj on the other side of the break. 8 o'clock, it's Dolly Wall. And then a reminder, at 8.30, we're giving away the $100 gift card to AJ's and the big football game prize pack at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. Uh, Halfway through the show, final half coming up. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Moj. I did not eat four burgers. Yes, it's the Moj. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. Yes, I love food. It's the Moj. I went online and kind of did a little surfing. Jamalaya. Yes, it's the Moj. Halford's fine, but, you know, Bruff is just grumpy all the time. Moj, 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 It's the Moj, Moj. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I think Moj is coming up next. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour two of this program 
is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. To the phone lines we go, it's Bob the Moj Marjanovich here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? Good morning, Jets. How are we on this snowy Vancouver Friday? Uh, we're good. We're basking in the glow of another Canucks victory, this time over the Arizona Coyotes. As you're now an embedded reporter, I don't even have to ask him if he's at the games anymore. Moj is front and center all the time, nonstop. Was that, like, on on paper, a 2-1 win over Arizona on a Thursday night at Rogers Arena? Um, doesn't sound like a super entertaining game, but that was more entertaining than the 2-1 score and the team suggests, wasn't it? Like, there was some emotion in that in that game last night. Were you at the yeah. rank, Moj? Yeah, that yeah. was. And, you know, Liam O'Brien and Nikita Zadorov going at it. I mean, O'Brien was kind of running around at the start of the game, and Zadorov kind of went out there and said, okay, if we're going to run around, you're going to have to answer to me. And it was a pretty spirited affair. And um, I think O'Brien had an issue. He believes that Zadorov pulled his hair during the fight, so there was a little extra going on there. But, yeah, there was emotion in that game last night. I mean, it was it had a little intensity. I think you're going to see more of it. I think uh, Faber made a really good point talking to Chris Ta- Rick Tockett after the game. And, you know, the Canucks teams are gunning for the Canucks now. They're, they're big games. And, you know, as Tockett mentioned, too, I mean, there's teams out there that are desperate to get into the playoffs and, all that. So you're going to see a lot more of this heading into the uh, the last couple of months of the season. So you've got an article. It's either been published or it's coming out. Why you should believe in the Canucks. Tell us why we should believe in this Canucks team. Because as we've, you know, I think there's more belief. There was more belief created after that road trip. And there is belief that this team is good. But it's almost like, for me at least, I can't wrap my head around going from last season and then the years preceding that in less than a year to the Canucks or Stanley Cup contenders. You know? Well, first off, you're right. There's always been this skepticism, um, this kind of like, yeah, but with what the Canucks have accomplished this year. They got off to a good start. Well, yeah, but let's see what they do, where they're at at American Thanksgiving. Then, you know, well, yeah, but let's see what happens when they get to Christmas. And yeah, but let's see what they do on this big road trip in January and they've answered every challenge they've met every challenge and one of the reasons uh, I think they've been so successful and you know you hear talk it talk about it all the time earn the day this is a team that doesn't look back it doesn't look forward its only concern is the present today how are we going to get better today and you know talking to a few of the players that just echoed that sentiment of the the mantra that they have but you know, the, the one thing that really stood out for me in doing this piece and talking to Quinn Hughes the other day, and I'm sure you guys probably heard the quote, was the fact that he was pissed they didn't win seven games on the road. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, they go five of seven, they get 11 of 14 points, and he's like, we should have won all seven. Like, when you start thinking like that, right, I mean, to me, it, it kind of reminded me of that whole thing with Gillis way back when, if you recall the popcorn eating incident. And the, the, the genesis in all of that was that the Canucks had lost that game in Chicago in the playoffs. And, you know, they came back home and they said, well, we're happy with the split. And mm-hmm. that's where I kind of went off and went on a little bit of a rant saying, how can you be happy? I mean, that's a game you should have won. A championship team is not happy. A championship mindset isn't happy with a split. 
And then when I hear Quinn Hughes talking about the fact that, you know, they should have won seven of seven, when I hear Brock Besser talking about how angry they were after the St. Louis game, just one game. This isn't, this isn't a team, as Besser said, that's happy winning one and losing one. They want to win everyone, right? So that mentality for me, is, it's awesome. It's refreshing. And I think the other thing, too, is just this group's ability to focus on what's happening. And the really cool thing that Taka talked about was the fact that you know, his quote was, we're not pounding it down their throat, right? Now it's coming from the players themselves, right? The coaches don't need to go in there and try to, you know, hammer certain points with the players. The players are striving to become. So, you know, that's the reason why I believe in this team right now. It's just the mindset that they have and the culture that they've developed. It really just is remarkable, though, if we think back to a year ago, how dysfunctional the Canucks were looking with Bruce Boudreaux still as the head coach and everyone knowing that he was going to be fired, everyone knowing that the management didn't want him as head coach and really hadn't wanted him as head coach at all to start the season. Um, there was so much criticism, and I still think the Canucks could have handled it better, a lot better, but, <clears throat> you know, it was a dysfunctional organization. And now we're talking about how aligned everyone is and how they got this great culture. Where did it all start for you? Jim Rutherford. I mean, that it started right at the top, and I think, you know, when you look at that organization, um, I think Rutherford just kind of imposed his will in terms of how he wanted that team set up. And as a result, you're just, you're right. You're seeing a complete alignment with everybody in the organization. And, you know, <laughs> think about the fact that last year people were talking about tanking to get Connor Bedard. Think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Brock Besser wanted a trade. And Rutherford has come out and they've established a culture, but let's not kid ourselves either. I mean, one of the big things that I think Jim Rutherford has done, and, you know, we touched on it, I think, a couple of weeks ago, was the fact that he's completely revamped that blue line, right? So that's a huge, huge thing in terms of personnel. But still, you have to have the right personnel and you have to have the right culture. And you're right, the Canucks are perfectly aligned right now, all the way from top to bottom. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House, hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit ClaytonPub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. Moj, you talked about building a championship mentality. Uh, what's the story that you had in your article about the one that Troy Aikman told you about Jimmy Johnson and those great Dallas Cowboys teams? Oh, that was like, we're talking about focus, right? And it's something that I touched on in the Canucks story was this um, time that we had Troy Aikman on. It was the Super Bowl where the Bears were playing the Colts because it was the first time both teams had into the Super Bowl. So we asked Aikman, we said, you know, what was it like for you in your first Super Bowl? And, you know, how do you block out all the hype and the noise and all that? And he said that, at the start of the week, Jimmy Johnson walked into the dressing room and had a two-by-four. He said he threw the two-by-four in the middle of the dressing room. And he said, yes. He said, how many guys can walk across this two-by-four? And basically everybody in the room put their hand up. And then Johnson said, okay, I'm going to take this two-by-four. I'm going to put it between two buildings ten stories up. How many guys want to walk across it then? Well, now, you know, probably half the hands went up. and Not, not all the hands went up. And Johnson just looked at his team and said, hey, guys, we've been walking across this two-by-four all year long. 
He says, all you have to do is block everything else out and just keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, the gist of it was that just remain focused and continue doing what you're doing and block out all the noise. And that's what I talk about this Canuck team moving forward. Because when you look at this Vancouver team, I mean, JT Miller's the only guy that's really had any playoff experience. And, you know, take the bubble out of the equation. I mean, there's no travel. There's no fans. I mean, so when you look at high-pressure, meaningful games with travel and fans and all of that, Miller's the only guy. So, you know, that was one of the things that I kind of threw out there was just how is this group that hasn't gone through that ready to play through it? And, of course, they went back and they talked about, you know, just focusing in on the day. I sometimes wonder if we overrate experience, uh, especially and as we talk a little bit about the NFL, C.J. Stroud looked pretty uh, pretty, little, pretty comfortable for a rookie uh, in the NFL playoff. Jordan Love looked pretty comfortable as a young player, and then you had very, very experienced players like Joe Flacco who, who, who did not look good. Um, is there ever a time where... I don't want to say a lack of experience, but kind of like, I remember, what was it that, that Torts always said about that Tampa team that won the cup? He was like, we didn't know any better. We didn't know we shouldn't have been there. And then they were able to just, uh, they were able to go on and win the cup without much experience. Yeah. And, you know, going back to Torts and other coaches have talked about, you know, players don't realize sometimes when they, they come up the pressure and, you know, everything that's kind of involved with it. They're just going out there playing and having fun. And all of a sudden, then they realize maybe a little later, it's, you know, all, all the the hype and the noise and the pressure and it kind of gets to them. Um, yeah, but I mean, when I look at C.J. Stroud, when you want to talk about experience, I think he's been, I mean, you look at the staff, he's been great indoors this year. Outdoors, five outdoor games, his quarterback rating is 85.1 compared to 108.3 indoors. So to me, that's, going to be an issue in this game with the Texans and the Ravens is how is CJ Stroud going to perform in that environment? Um, you know, you're right. Great young quarterback, but man, um, in this environment against this team, it's going to be interesting to see how he performs. And you know, if he goes out there and plays lights out, man, props to him. Uh, which game are you most looking forward to? We got Texas, Ra- Texas, Texans and the Ravens. We got the Packers and the 49ers, the Bucks and the Lions, and then the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, come on. Seriously? Halford, did he just ask me that question? He did. Packers 49ers would be pretty cool. No, Chiefs and the Bills. Mahomes versus Allen. Yeah. To me, that, and you know, Mahomes on the road for the first time in his career, excluding Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's, that's the game I want to watch. I mean, you know, it's the OG and the, the Chiefs, and I can't believe I'm calling them the old guard, but I mean, the <laughs> team that's been there, done that, gone to Super Bowls against the Bills team that, you know, has never you know, kind of clutched up when they had it to, right? But the one thing that I looked at and did some research on this game, Josh Allen has, like, lit up the Chiefs. Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, hasn't figured out how to stop him. And he threw for three touchdowns against KC in 2022. During the 21 season, he found the end zone seven times through the air. And in 2020, two games, four touchdowns. So what's that work out to? Like 13 touchdowns in five games? Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Allen knows how to put points on the board against the Chiefs. Now, are the Chiefs way better defensively than they have been in the past, though? Like to the yeah, point where their I defense might have. be better than their offense? I think, you know, I think you make a great point, and I would agree with that. But that being said, if this becomes a track meet and Buffalo puts points on the board, can Kansas City keep pace? I don't think so, right? So, plus the game being in Buffalo, I think it's a huge advantage for the Bills. 
I, I'm gonna, I'm, this is the game that I'm just looking at going, this is the one I want to watch. And the Packers intrigue me as well. I'll give you that. I mean, they went in there and beat Dallas, but I think everything that Green Bay does, San Francisco does better, right? And the big concern I have in that game is Green Bay's rush defense, 28th rush defense in the league, and you got to go up against Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Speaking of the Packers, I was talking to Besser, and he was pretty giddy about his beloved Packers knocking off the Dallas Cowboys. So I asked him, I said, so how does Green Bay beat San Francisco? <laughs> and he just went, oh, boy. <laughs> um, like maybe kidnap Christian McCaffrey, right? Or Miller, I think he said McCaffrey not showing up or whatever, right? But it's going to be tough sledding for the Packers. Although, um, you know, everybody talks about Brock Purdy and this and that, but I just look at this game and I just don't see how Green Bay wins it. Maybe they cover, but I don't see how they win it. Yeah, like I think they've got enough offensive ability to put up points, not to the degree that they did against Dallas, but um, I look at it and I'm like, are, you know, I don't think that they can go blow for blow with the Niners because the Niners are so well-rounded. And I, I, I do wonder if, you know, Jordan Love's going to be able to put up back-to-back consecutive performances like that against a vastly superior defense this week. The one thing I wanted to ask you about that Bills and Chiefs game is the craziest stat of all of them going into this game is that Patrick Mahomes has played – 15 playoff games. He's never mm-hmm. played one on the road before. Three of them yeah. were in the Super Bowl. So those are neutral side games. Every other playoff game he's played before has been at Arrowhead. I wonder if that'll be a factor that he's got to play in Buffalo. Well, the thing that I don't think will be an issue is the pressure, right? I mean, you play in a Super Bowl, that's the ultimate, you know, pressure game, so to speak. Um, so then you ask yourself, so what factors come into play? Crowd noise? Well, yeah, that, that could be an issue. Just, you know, the environment, um, the routine, all of that. Um, but I, I think he is suited enough to handle it. But then again, we don't know. We, we haven't seen him in w- with, you know, this type of situation, being on the road with the Chiefs in a playoff game. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a fascinating game. But, yeah, and I touched on that right off the get-go. Um, Mahomes being on the road excluding a playoff game for the first time in his career. It's going to be interesting to see how this all goes down. Uh, Mo, Janaskis, anything before we let you go? It's from Earth. This is, uh, and it pertains to the divisional round games this weekend. You get to attain, attend one NFL game in person this weekend. Are you going to go hang out with those crazy people in Buffalo, or are you going to go stay indoors and watch the game in Detroit? Um, I've been to Buffalo for a game way back, probably over 20 years ago. It's a great environment. Um, it wasn't like it is now with the Bills Mafia and all the craziness. Um, I, I would probably go Chiefs-Bills. I'll say this, though. I think a vastly underrated stadium that people don't really talk about is Ford Field. Hmm. Um, we were there for the Steelers-Seahawks Super Bowl, which we won't talk too much about <laughs> for Seahawks fans. Well, I thought the but officiating was, was great in that one. Uh, I thought it was an amazing facility. Like, just walking around, like... You know, in the concourse levels, like kind of like these brick facades. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you feel like you're walking up to some, you know, when you go in to get a hot dog, it feels like you're walking up to some brick building from the 20s and stuff. Just had great character, right? So, um, I, I think that would be a great place to watch this game. Buccaneers and Lions would probably be next, but Chiefs and Bills for me would probably be the one at the top of the list. Packers 49ers, I think, is going gr- to be a great game, but you guys have been a Santa Clara. I mean, it's like, it's. There's not, there's, not no, it's boring, yeah, there's not much to it. There's not much to it. That's boring. Yeah, there's not much to it. I don't even like yeah, that stadium. I think it's yeah, that, exactly right. Yeah. Um, there's there's just not much there. Texas. I've never been to Baltimore, so 
maybe that one, you know, down the road someday. But for me, Chiefs and Bills and then probably the Buccaneers and the Lions. Moj, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate hey, it. guys, have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Bo- Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Alfred and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Sounds like uh, Cowboy Stadium might host the World Cup final in 2026. So, it's not official yet, right? Um, it is going to be Sunday, February 4th. Mm-hmm. FIFA is going to announce the schedule of games. Okay. Obviously, they can't say what teams are going to be in them because right. they haven't done qualifying yet. But they're going to do the schedule of games, and it is expected that Jerry World is going to host the 2026 World Cup final. Okay, so it was between. It was ultimately maybe between them and New York, right? Yeah. Because uh, so- SoFi, SoFi ducked out of this World Stan Cup. Stan Kroenke said, thanks, but no thanks to FIFA. It yeah. costs too much money. There's too many delegates we have to take care of. And also they have to make changes to the field, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and there's too many briefcases of money we have to hand out. He just yeah. decided to get... It's too bad because SoFi looks incredible. Yeah, but... Um, Cowboy J- Stan is pretty Jerry cool World's pretty great, right? You can, yeah, you can get 100000 in there. Yeah, and it's... I, I didn't realize this, but it's really close to the airport. So in terms of, like, the the, the infrastructure, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Blake Price had something out there the other day that he's hearing that Vancouver... ...thought, initially thought. Right. Uh, which would be great. I think everyone kind of anticipated that they get five or six... Will they do hubs like they have in previous World Cups where, you know, like England will go to, I don't know, Chicago and play a few games there. That'll be their training base. If you don't know, don't worry about it. I'll just be curious how how they do this, because I imagine Canada um, is going to play games in both Toronto and Vancouver. Right. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, to be honest. So you've got the two Canadian ones, right? Vancouver and Toronto. Mm -hmm. You've got. Atlanta. I'm just wondering how much they're going to make the, the visiting fans travel, right? There's, like well, if there's it, 16 hosts. It's different than okay? Qatar where it's just like, yeah, I can walk to the next stadium, basically. Yeah. There's 16 host cities. Two mm-hmm. of them are in Canada. Three of them are in Mexico. So that means 11 are in the U.S., right? Yeah. Um, so I suppose you could kind of hack it off geographically. and be like, mm-hmm. you know, There's east and west, and so they don't have to travel all that much. But I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out because um, – the geography of this World Cup is so much bigger than all the other ones, yeah. right? I mean, Qatar, you could walk from stadium to stadium, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and and in, and in Europe, you can take trains or even if right. you have to, right? Like, it's not like coaches or whatever. Are those stadiums uh, yeah. in Qatar getting lots of use now, or what are they up to? Yeah, the walking tour. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. The eight stadiums they built? Here's That's the sound great. of it. <laughs> oh, there it is, folks. Is there wind there in guitar? Is. I don't there's think there's any wind. So impressive. There's wind. They have sandstorms. Gary, Gary Garrison, middle name Gary, mm. hasn't asked us anything. If you had to pick three members of the Canucks to shovel your driveway, who would you pick and why? Gary says he's got talk. He's a leader. Petey, he'd do some magic with the snow, make it look like fireworks or something. And Myers, he should be able to lug a, a bunch of snow as long as it's a job that's under... 20 minutes. Myers, Susie, Zadorov. No, no, no. No, It's Myers, Zadorov, and Garland. And the reason being is you attach a giant snow shovel to Garland, roll him up in a little ball, (laughs) and then push him. Both Zadorov and Myers launch him down the driveway. He spreads his arms out, clears all the snow in one go. No, 
you're wrong. I disagree you on that. I wouldn't have PD. I'd be worried about an injury. You can you get in, you get injured a lot. You know, you, PD still would, looks like he's favoring his wrist a little bit. I'm not out want there you to, shoveling snow. You just go. He wouldn't want you to ask him about it either. You, yeah. How is the snow shoveling? I'm not talking about that. Uh, you just got to go meat and potatoes, big fellas. Get the three biggest guys out there. They know what to do. They know how to take care of the tough jobs. Mm-hmm. Let them go out there and take care. Yeah. Of what the if business. they fall down and get injured though? Sorry, they're so tall. <laughs> You know what? It is tough when you're tall to shovel snow. Like you, you need a. That's what I'm saying. You attach a giant shovel to Garland. Yeah. Get him to spread his arms out, and Zadorov and Myers do the old launch. Is Garland the the definition of a high motor? Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Easy. Even at the end of a shift, sometimes he'll still have the um, the fire, and obviously he's in great shape. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of a shift, he could be out there for a minute, and he's still going to back check, and oftentimes he'll come up with the puck. Look, it's he, very impressive. Okay. He's got his deficiencies as a player, right? I mean, I think that's sure. fair. I think that's yeah. fair to he say he doesn't have the best shot. Yeah, and his shooting percentage can be like criminally low mm-hmm. because um, he plays with a small stick. There's, you know, all that. Yeah, stuff. he doesn't shoot it that hard. That's right. fine. Yeah, um, but you were throwing flowers at him yesterday. I thought it was a good thing to bring up because of all these sort of unsung performances that have been put forth this year for a guy who, I mean, remember he started the year with a fair bit of controversy with the yep. trade, with the trade rumors swirling. And we all remember kind of were saying you really, you had to do this like on the eve of the opener against Edmonton. Like this is how this is going to go. He's really been sort of uh head down, nose to the grindstone, spinning, 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 and always twirling. And now you look at the production Six goals and 21 points in 45 games for a third liner. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It's probably a touch overpaid, but that's okay. The nice thing about this is you don't have the redundancy of bad money on the wings anymore. Like Besser has been tremendous value for his contract. Garland's been fine, right? Like you're not, you're not dying over that contract. Like you are about Kuzmenko. Mm -hmm. Peter and Cloverdale ask us anything. Should Hronik, should Hronik be back on PP one? Is that why the power play is not as good? I think the power play showed some signs of life. Um, I think it will improve. Um, Hronik back on there? I don't know. They had Suter on there. When Kuzmenko was stapled to the bench in the third, he couldn't even get out there on a on a power play shift. So maybe that's something they want to experiment with. But if Kuzmenko comes out of the lineup Saturday against Toronto, that is a big if. We still don't know. You know, Sometimes Taka will give guys a second chance, although I don't know. I don't know right We're now. We're well past the second chance. We're on I, sixth or seventh at I this know. point. I know. It's but Kuzmenko, here's the thing. Here's the kind of the sad thing for Kuzmenko. I actually did think he was playing better in the last few games. And Patrick Galvin was even saying, like, yeah, I think he's shown some signs. And then he just has that clunker where there were two really loud mistakes. Number mm-hmm. one, you know, letting Travis Dermott of all players get behind him to score the Coyotes goal, and then there was a pretty bad giveaway where he just looked flustered trying to get out of his own end. He panicked a little bit. He threw the puck into the middle of the ice, which is like, (laughs) what's the one thing you don't do, right? (laughs) Don't throw the puck into the middle of the ice when you're trying to get out of your own end unless you're absolutely sure that you got a teammate there. So we'll see what the lineup looks like Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who's coming up next? Uh, Rick Dollywell. Oh, yes. We'll talk to Rick about Kuzmeco for sure. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.